Morning Talk on SAFM. It's six minutes after 11. You're listening to Morning Talk on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Thank you very much to Uzile Saku for the news. My name is Rowena Bird, and uh, as we get into the final hour of today's program, we take a look at uh, the economic impact of the Ebola uh, crisis in West Africa. Questions are also being asked as to why uh, African leaders seem divided in dealing with this issue. Should we be relying on Western countries to come up with solutions to this crisis or should we as a continent be uh, going it alone and doing it uh, on ourselves and by ourselves and I guess it also brings to the fore the whole issue of ASAP or African Solutions for African Problems but do we have the luxury of um, of, of keeping out the West in, in coming up with solutions whilst thousands of Africans are dying from Ebola. Uh, I'd like to know what your thoughts are around this topic as well. So do call us on 0891 You can also SMS 34701 or tweet at SAFM Radio. We are joined by Professor Mamo Muchi, who is a political commentator and uh, a professor on innovation and development at Swane University of Technology. He joins us from our Pretoria studios. Good morning to you, Professor. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. So, Professor, do we have that luxury of time? Do we have the luxury of um, waiting for Africa to come up with solutions while Ebola continues to kill Africans? I mean, according to the World Health Organization, um, almost 1,500 people have already been killed so far this year alone, uh, and over 2,000 people um, have been infected with the disease. And and these are just modest figures. I mean, they could even go up to 20,000. So do we have that luxury? of time? No, I think uh, when there is uh, always uh, a crisis and uh, an emergency, I think uh, it's important that the whole world uh, responds to it. That's Mm -hmm. not a problem. But uh, it should be done not by the strategy of undermining or using the episode to to give uh, meaning, you know, that uh, uh, to continue to use the inferiorizing notion about Africa that that should be stopped. Now, I just recently read uh, Newsweek wrote uh, on 29 August uh, a dehumanizing of Africans monkey meet Ebola fear-mongering. If you see the cover, there's a, uh, there's a, a chimpanzee in the Newsweek face, and this is post-post-racial America. It's supposed to be, we shouldn't be seeing this. Uh, basically, what they are saying is that the migrants from Africa are going to bring epidemic. They're going to spark a U.S. epidemic, and then they put this uh, chimpanzee and it's, uh, of course, racism, you see. I mean, things like that is is happening now. Uh, and it's not uh, very good to see a major newspaper uh, producing this kind of uh, ooga-booga journalism, as somebody called it, where they exotize and dehumanize uh, Africa. I mean, something like that is happening. Since it's happening like that, 
ideally if we have doctors we have researchers we have all we have resources we are rich and the only thing we are poor is we do not have trust capital and we don't know how to network we don't know how to use our own traditional values to bring us together if we do that we can use all our resources also in, in africa to actually solve our problems we don't need to be insulted it's how many years now it continues this insult is incredible for me to see this news week uh, uh, on, which was produced on 29 august just makes me sick that that is what we need to stop we cannot allow this Recently, a new book has come out on white supremacy, for example, uh, comparing America and uh, South Africa. It looks South Africa is better, I mean, in many ways. It's, I couldn't believe this. All right. I mean, we will continue this conversation. Professor Mamo Muchi is our guest. We'll also be joined after this short break by Ms. Liesel Lowe Vaudrum, who is a freelance journalist and has written out on this particular topic after this. Morning Talk on SAFM. It's now 12 minutes after 11. You're listening to Morning Talk on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Rowena Bird, and our guest, Professor Mamo Muchi, is a political commentator, and he joins us from our Pretoria studios. And we also now are joined by Ms. Liesel Lowe Vaudren, who is a freelance journalist, and like I said before the break, has written out on this. Good morning to you too. Thank you for joining us, Ms. Lowe Vaudren. Thank you for coming through. Well, before you came through, the professor was talking, well, the question I put to the professor is, if we as Africa have the luxury of time of coming up with African solutions for African problems, while thousands of Africans are dying from Ebola, the Ebola virus, and in response, the professor says that whilst we need global interventions, such interventions should not assume a strategy of undermining Africa or inferiorizing Africa. And he made mention of an article in Newsweek, I think it was the front page cover, which depicted a chimpanzee and um, dehumanizing Africa. So what do you believe is the role of the media in reporting um, this disease in Africa? Yes, I think it is very important. Um, seeing it from an African perspective. For example, I think the African Union's new effort to send a mission to the uh, Ebola-struck countries have hardly been reported at all. Maybe that's the fault of the African Union as well that doesn't do enough for its publicity. But, um, you know, for the first time in the history of the AU, a humanitarian mission um, has been launched. There was a meeting yesterday, in fact, um, in Addis Ababa about this. might come a little late. We've known since January actually in Guinea that there is an outbreak of Ebola so um, of course one can criticize the continental uh, body for being slow in reacting with the constraints there are um, at the moment I still think it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing and for us as the media it's very important to, to report on that and, and then other issues like for example you know, as I, as I did in one of the articles for the Institute for Security Studies, highlighting the difficulties that these countries actually have. Um, they, uh, Guinea, especially Liberia and Sierra Leone, we know, um, have got the infrastructure and, and health uh, institutions undermined by years of conflict. Guinea, for example, had really no uh, uh, proper... A state it was an authoritarian state with a lot of upheaval coup d'etats um, 
Of course, it's not it's not an excuse for um, the the breakdown almost of of service delivery in a way to remote villages. I mean, uh, maybe we could we mm. could speak about that as well. Professor Ms. Lowardrum talks about the slow reaction of the African Union, in particularly the the issue the, uh, the the this virus in Guinea in in particular. Why is there uh, disunity amongst African leaders. I mean, uh, I'm sure you would agree that Ebola has exposed weaknesses in Africa's health networks, that we should be collaborating more and we should be exploring those networks more and, um, and, and, and that this failure to arrest this Ebola virus really rests in the fact that we are not leveraging on those networks. Would you like to comment on that? Is that, is that me? Yes, sir. Yes, okay, okay, thank you. Yes, I think um, uh, with all due respect, the African Union still needs to emerge as a pan-African organization. Uh, it's a pity after 50 years, uh, they, the, the pan-Africanism side, in other words, the shared um, uh, uh, goal or the shared purpose, the shared understanding about how Africa should deal with the rest of the world and respond to the rest of the world in a united manner doesn't exist. Let me just give you a concrete example. Recently, Africa has been uh, invited for summits. Mm. France invites, the EU invites, uh, India invites, China invites Africans. Now America invites uh, and so on. It goes on. I mean, many other Japan invites uh, and so on. So we have so many of these summits invitation, and 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 they decide who to invite, who to exclude, and all the there are 54 members of the African Union. The African Union doesn't say how why you invite X and why you invite Y. Mm. You understand, and and the and the countries just act independently and they do whatever they want. So I, I don't see unity. I see unity in the, with the European Union. There's more unity among Europeans than there is unity among Africans. Mm. Although we started the unity idea, yes. uh, Africa must unite or perish, Kwame Nkrumah, others, uh, uh, all of them started it very, very well. But, but the thinking, everything is very interesting. I mean, the, the writing is very good. Doing it, being it, is not what we have been good at. And that is a, a problem because now it's a serious issue. This issue is very serious, this Ebola. Uh, the Newsweek thing is not something light. The editorial decision has been made to use chimpanzee imagery on the cover of Newsweek. This just simply brings for me, as an African, it, it gives me pain because that long and ugly tradition of treating Africans as savage animals and the African continent as a dirty, diseased place, always to be feared. That image means it, it makes people not to come to Africa. We have a conference uh, we organized, uh, I'm involved in, called Globalix. A lot of people, and, and it's happening in Ethiopia, some people said, the two, at least two people uh, formally have withdrawn because they said there's Ebola in Africa. You, you understand, you see, this kind of... Uh, it's not that we don't want the rest of the world to work with us. It's how they work with us. It's just the irresponsible um, yeah. uh, reporting of the news from. I Africa. wouldn't call it that simple. That's uh, simple. It's the prejudice still exists. 
it, it's not the, our values haven't changed. <coughs> the prejudice still exists, Ms. Lowe-Vaudrey. It, it exists, and and this Ebola generates even more prejudice. Uh, the only the only thing I notice is that some for medical experiments, for uh, producing new patents or something like that, even a diseased person will be invited, but in a very controlled environment. I'm told that some, some people, some, uh, whoever, Americans or anybody across the world, would be very interested from Guinea to take some people. <laughs> that, yeah. that they would do. I Why? Because they will get the patent. They will get the, the knowledge. They will become the whatever. Okay, and then I'd Africans I'd won't do it. I'd like, I'd like Ms. Lowe-Vaudrin to respond. Yes, I, I think it's good that uh, people like Professor Mucci speaks up, and he has spoken many times in the past uh, about the lack of unity and, and, you know, the role of Africa in debunking some of these stereotypes, which are really shocking. Uh, but I, I, again, I think one should uh, uh, emphasize that there are efforts. For example, last week we saw uh, Donald Kaberuka, the president of the ADB, going to Liberia, um, pasting pictures on Twitter of himself saying, I'm here, I'm not scared, um, I, you know, I'm not scared of Ebola, I'm not fleeing. Uh, there were meetings in Ghana. That meeting at the U in the U.S. Um, at the end of August that uh, Professor Murchi is uh, referring to that took place in Washington was, was severely criticized, 50 African states or over 40 African states traveling there. But the heads of state of, of uh, Liberia and, and Guinea uh, and Sierra Leone stayed in their countries, and I think... And that's that's where our reporting comes in. I mean, the domination of Western media and, and the tendency also of our media of immediately reproducing, you know, wire copy published in, in London or Paris Lazy or Washington. Yes. yes, you know, um, from our point of view, I think especially with Ebola, there were some interesting views um, around the cultural aspects because that is also something that's quite demeaning to Africa, saying people have got archaic traditions, meaning they um, bury their dead you know, immediately and that's how the disease spread. But that, that, that complete misinformation around the world and Muslim countries, people... Um, bury their dead, uh, you know, the day after or the same day. It's not something that's because people are in remote villages in Guinea. Of course there was fear. Um, I mean, as some people have written, if you're, uh, uh, you're cut off from, from all medical services and suddenly people in white suits and masks come and take a group of people and place them in quarantine, it would scare anyone around the world, you know. So that sort of fallacy of talking about African cultural practices. I, obviously, the thing also of eating bush meat, which is where it started, and then we get the Eastern DRC. But I mean, that's also that's a source of people's uh, uh, nutrition. In Asia, people eat uh, bush meat a lot, and and it's not stereotyped as being, you know, African archaic mm. practices. I'd just like to go back to what you were saying, Professor Mucci, um, um, about the fact that the, the African Union is not united and, and making reference to the summits that get held, the global summits, and that invite um, African leaders, uh, with particular reference to the, the summit in the U.S. recently, last month, uh, I think it was, 
But even the, the African leaders who get invited to these summits are really not united uh, around issues like Ebola. And I'm thinking here particularly about Tanzanian President Jakaya Kikwete saying at the summit that Ebola was a disease affecting the west of Africa and that Tanzania was in the east of the country. Now, surely that kind of mentality does not help us at all. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, if it affects Africans and humanity, we should be, as Africans, where we come from Ubuntu, eh? I am because you are. We don't say, I buy and sell, therefore you are. I am in East Africa and West Africa, therefore I am. No, 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 no. His own leader, all right, Nere, said Tanzania is a mistake. It's a colonial creation. I'm an African, he said. So if Mualimu Nereri would be very upset to hear this, he would, he would say he would have probably acted, what should we do? How should we support our brothers in, in Guinea? I mean, exactly like uh, the professor said, she, you know, like the ADB pre, uh, the, uh, director went to Liberia. We should be trying to support, not uh, say we are different. And we are, okay, we are not in West Africa, we are not in Nigeria, we are not in Guinea. No, 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 no. That's, that's, yeah. again, you see, when I, I, you, you, you put it very well. I just want to f- put one more point. There is a Congolese uh, who has been elected as a minister in the Italian government. And there was an Italian, uh, one of the uh, p- parliamentarians, had an outburst, a racial outburst again. How can we elect a black woman to be a minister? Mm, mm. And and recently, now it's okay to for him to be a racist, I mean, whatever. That's fine. I mean, he can express whatever he wants. But now he has make it universal. He says now that some kind of voodoo, black, you know, the black. Uh, I mean, I can send you the article. It's scary. For people to to say, if you are African, it means you spread a, a mystical uh, whatever it is, you know, to, that he gets wrapped into some kind of, uh, he's scared, you know, to see black images and things like that. I think we have a problem. I mean, we need to change this world. And mainly the way we change it is for black people to believe in themselves, to say they are the most beautiful on this planet. Honestly, they are. I mean, we are beautiful. There's no reason not to believe in ourselves and unite and not hurt anyone, but just be have self-confident, self-worth, dignity, pride. If we do that, this kind of uh, idiots, I don't want to hear this. I mean, after many, many years, over 30 years, I went as a young boy in America. And uh, I remember my first television experience was, you know, where they had this thing where where there was also a South African uh, talking. And I I just rebelled against your racism at that time about your apartheid. I I don't, I think we need to unite as humanity, as people. Right, I'd like us to take some calls before the news headlines. Professor, please allow that. Chris uh, in Johannesburg, good morning, welcome. Good morning, Rowan, how are you? Fine, Chris. Thanks very much for allowing this opportunity. And I do agree that it is a very missed opportunity that African scientists have missed. That because we do know that diseases that might start even in Europe 
or Americas, when they come to Africa, they hit us five times more than where they originated. So it is beginning to be... <clears throat> so because of many factors, including social drivers, that drive these diseases in Africa. And I thought this was going to be a very great opportunity for African scientists to begin to derive and define African solutions for some of these health problems that we are facing. However, we cannot look any further. We just look. Afro-pessimism is within our own minds in the first instance. We do have very good examples where Africans united. Malaria, South Africa and Mozambique, for an example, is a very good example how South Africans said when the word was saying we do not want the use of DDT, South Africa donated a lot of DDT in, in Mozambique, and it helped to almost eradicate malaria in that country. And it does show that it needs leadership and it needs commitment. And I think uh, African countries that have got very good resolutions and charters on health really need to begin to go to their to the shelves and dust them off and say, how, how much have we committed ourselves to be working together? And when do we stop listening, being, being, being commanded by the World Health Organization to respond in a particular way? All right. How do we respond as Africans? Thank you very much, Chris, for your call. And uh, my guests will uh, respond to you in, in a short while. Let's first speak to Marsha in Cape Town. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning, uh, Arowena. I, I would like to ask your um, professor there um, a question. Whenever I have seen um, Africa depicted on television, what I have seen um, are black women with bundles on their head and zigzagging across Africa and guerrilla warfare. That is all one sees. Now, when do these people get to plant their crops, to feed their animals, to milk their cows or, or whatever animals they have? This is all you see on TV. And therefore, I have always had the impression that possibly these diseases, and even Ebola, and I don't know much about the disease itself, but that it is caused by these women being raped, being tortured, and all sorts of ghastly things. And that is what the impression of Africa is. These people zigzagging across Africa. And the professor mentioned about um, uh, voodoo. I, I would just like to interject here that um, Christianity... Calling on the spirits of the ancestors is condemned by Christianity. So therefore, when you see these rituals being performed, you obviously are going to get an impression of demonism. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid there it is. That is the reality. Yeah. And Marsha, calling on the spirit of the ancestor Jesus, is that not demonic? Look, we, we speak... Uh, we cannot get complete access to, to Almighty God. He is the person that we access God. Now, you don't call up spirits of the dead because they are dead. And as far as Christianity is concerned, they will only come to life once. All right, Marsha. Um, my guest, I'm sure you'd like to respond to both of those calls, but we'll do that after the news headlines. And Udzile Saku is standing by.
And we continue our conversation with Professor Mamomuchi, political commentator and a professor on innovation and development at Swana University of Technology, and Ms. Liesel Lowe-Vaudron, a freelance journalist who's written out about the topic that we are talking about. And what we're talking about now is the economic uh, crisis around Ebola in West Africa and how African leaders seem to be divided and there's no unity in um, addressing this crisis on the continent. I'd like you to respond, starting with you, Professor Muchi, on the calls that have come through. Marsha saying that when she sees images of Africa on television, it's images of black women with bundles on their heads zigzagging the continent and these women get raped and she alluded to the fact that that's where uh, diseases or viruses like Ebola could come from. You heard what she had to say. I'd like you to respond to that. No, I disagree. Uh, I, I, I think the, the, if you take the Ebola or uh, the Marburg uh, diseases, the, the virologists, the people who have studied it, they did not say this comes from bushmeat or from uh, rural women, Africa, and so on. It, it didn't come like that. It's, uh, it's from uh, infected animals, uh, and, and it's from fresh uh, caracas that, uh, that, that it comes. And, uh, and they say it's bats that often transmit... Uh, to humans of the deadly virus, it's, it comes like that. So it's it's actually fresh. It's not uh, from some bush meat or from some some uh, you know from some uh, tradition. But on the question of knowledge and our uh, traditional way of belief and our traditional religion, the African religion, religion was invented by Africans. Mathematics was invented by Africans. Philosophy, many things were invented, and we still have the philosophy. It comes from here, from South Africa, Ubuntu. The philosophy that will save the world has been, is from you. You should be proud and rich. There is so much knowledge. And the way we know, there are different ways of knowing. There is revelational ways of knowing. There is also instrumental reasoning way of knowing. There is, as Einstein said, logic is from A to B. Imagination is everywhere. There's huge, very creative imagination among Africans. They are really rich and creative. And, and our traditional, the way our people do their traditions, their cultures, their variety is something we should celebrate. It's wonderful. So I think there's so much indigenous knowledge and, and luckily the South African government and, and uh, Ghana are the two that have now recognized this knowledge. Traditional medicine, traditional, many, many things that we actually should really develop very systematically, use our universities, because our people know they have lived for many thousands of years. They have created many, many things. We don't know it. We don't know it. We don't value it. We need to value this knowledge system, and we need to upgrade it and develop it Ms. Lowe, and, and use it. Ms. Lowe, and, and just one... Uh, uh, just very quickly, Professor. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say one more point. Just on the scientists, the brothers, uh, that, that, I think it's extremely important that it's not too late for scientists in Africa to come together and do some very powerful research 
on, on Ebola or anything. We still can do it. We should try to get support to make sure that our scientists actually do it. But they can interact with the rest of the world, but they should do it systematically. And hopefully for Ebola, they should get the patents, not, get, not, not some people from outside come, take the diseased people in Ebola, and then get patents. All please, right. please, my, uh, we should do okay. it. I'd Let like Africa I, I, do I, I, it. The African Union should also help us in doing it. All right, Professor Ms. Liesel-Lowe-Vaudren. Yes, I agree with the professor fully. You know, knowledge uh, is power, and especially in Africa. To come back to the last caller who said she only sees war and uh, poor women uh, on the television screens, there's a whole other story, another narrative on Africa, the Africa rising, the huge growth rates. Um, Africa is a more peaceful continent than it was 10 years ago, even though, of course, we deal with current affairs. So if there is a war in South Sudan, we do report on that. But uh, the story of Africa and these last couple of years has been completely, you know, it is, it, it is a different story. It is really um, so a blow that the Ebola um, virus has now taken on uh, such a devastating turn, especially for countries who have been emerging out of crisis. All right, and we'll talk about the economic uh, impact of Ebola. Uh, let's take a short break. Morning Talk on SAFM. And unfortunately, we, we can't even get into the economic impact of Ebola on the uh, countries affected and on the actual continent as a whole because we have run out of time. But I'd like to hear just briefly from both of you, Professor, as well as you, Ms. Lowe Vaudren, how you think or what you think should be done for these networks on Africa to be strengthened so that we do speak with one voice and there is some cogency in how we uh, address issues and matters that affect us. Starting with you, Ms. Lowe Yes, I think there are various levels. First of all, on the continental level, um, I, I disagree slightly with uh, Professor Mucci that the you know that the continental bodies are not doing anything. We've seen SADC very active, ECOWAS meetings in Ghana and so on. If, if we speak specifically about Ebola, but more generally, of course, uh, ordinary Africans also have that role to play. And I do think there is a, a discourse that is coming through um, if one looks at social media. And people are protesting against the stereotyping. Right. Absolutely. Okay, Professor, 30 yeah, seconds. I agree. They may be doing something, but they, should, they could do more. That's, that's my point. All right, they we'll, could end do better. we'll end it at but, that. Thank yeah. you very much, Professor Mamou Muchi, Professor on Innovation and Development at Swana University of Technology. And thanks to Ms. Liesel Lowe-Vaudren as well, a freelance journalist. And uh, it's now 15 and a half minutes to 12. It's time for our poetry in the air.